you know, people get in their head though. And, and it's just, people get really bullish sometimes on just that, that absolute number without thinking about truly what the net return is and what is the net return to peace of mind yeah because i lose sleep <laughs> and and i eat a lot when i'm stressed you are now listening to the real estate everyone's podcast you see this guy here staring back at you that's your toughest opponent every time you get into the ring that's who you're going against i believe that in boxing and i do believe that in life your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. All right. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast, Friday edition. I am Ashton Hines. I have been saying that I've been a realtor for a little over two years, and actually, I lost a year in my life. I've actually been a realtor for a little over three years. And uh, I was just kind of sitting down looking at stuff the other day, and uh, it was kind of cool to look back. But yeah, a little over three years. I, I just closed on my fourth flip. Uh, it's a uh, it's pending. We're closing January third, so I've been working in that journey. I also work full time as a real estate. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't work full time. I work full time. <laughs> hey, yeah, I work speaking into existence. I, I, okay, I, I've been talking about existence. going full time at a real estate. So it, here soon, I will be going full time real estate. However, right now, I, I work full time as a physical therapist assistant, doing home health, helping people after uh, their uh, surgeries and, and when when they have a tendency to fall and and you know sometimes I help them put up uh, uh, light bulbs and I put a an angel on top of a christmas tree last week uh, because How an 80 year old should not should not be up on a step ladder and <laughs> you know uh, it, it's hard to turn that down so that uh, that dulcet voice that kind voice you hear uh, uh, chiming in that is my friend, mentor, good dude in the real estate industry, Tavis Westbrook. What's up, Tavis? What up? What up, man? I'm doing great. I uh, it's funny. I've got all kind of, all kinds of visions in my mind of how many times that you know you get milk and cookies showing up to one of these appointments, you know, because they think oh you're God. their grandson. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So Karen, my wife, she also does therapy and she's been doing it for 23 years for whatever, you know, I'll say this. I see a lot of them in the middle. So she'll see him first. And then she always has to be the last visit. I can see him in the middle. That's just the part of the degree. And I, I have a two year degree for therapy. She has a uh, master's uh, now it's a PhD, but um, yeah. So she gets a lot of gifts, you know, she'll come home with, Oh yeah, they gave me this and gift card, blah, blah, blah. And you know, and and I get stuff every once in a while. The worst gift I've ever received, I, I actually had a family, they happen to not be from the United States. And for them, they they were really, they really wanted to say thank you. And one day they made me warm mango milk. <laughs> and I, I had just started some sort of like keto something. So anyway, I didn't want to do it. But it was warm milk. It was like no for me. And it had some more mango pulp or something in there. And they poured it. They were so excited. You know, it's like that wedding singer scene where she hands them the meatballs of like trying to pay him in meatballs for a singing lesson. It's like it was that. And they handed it to me and I took this little smallest sip and like raised my eyebrows. Oh, man, that's great. And they're like, oh, OK, you like it? Well, go ahead. Drink it all. We'll wait. They made me drink the whole thing. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I am going to throw up. <laughs> so, yeah, it's in theory, it's really cool. But um, I, the other day I had this the classic gift of this guy. 
he got up and gave me two Werther's originals on my way out. So oh, that was, there you go. that was also amazing. So yeah, you know, you get super sweet people and I really enjoy, I love doing therapy, but honestly, the times when I, I feel most useful to people, you know, we're going into their houses a couple times a week and sometimes I'm the only person they're going to see for a while and they're homebound. That's why I'm there. And yeah, I mean, I've, I have, uh, taken doors off of hinges. I have removed glass shower doors off of showers that were too heavy to push out of the way. I've, you know, I've helped take things down from uh, the attic. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting job. I've moved, obviously moved furniture and stuff and it's really cool. I, I do, I do enjoy it. But as I said earlier, I have all the intentions in the world to go full-time real estate. I'm so close. I'm so close. I'm closing on this flip in Mapleton uh, on Mapleton in January, and then I I have a, a retail listing with Josh and Krista that's closing December 22nd, and I've got a few irons in the fire, like some really warm leads. And doesn't like, that just, I could feel just land a good couple to more? Say, like, yeah, I yeah, mean, it does. We're now having a conversation about this closing, and you're you're pending. Yeah. I don't remember what we talked about last time when we. Uh, yeah, we're pending when we when we did our last podcast. Talked about Mapleton, but I mean, you're pending now. You got through mm-hmm. inspections; it wasn't horrible. Way different yeah. than your last experience, and yep. now you're looking for a closing table, and you're actually let's let's talk about it. You're on the positive yeah. side out of all of yep. this crazy learning lessons and I know what timeline. are we going to talk about? You know, it's like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I I've had this flip for over a year now. I actually just went over and delivered my my mortgage payment, my my interest payment to my lender and I I always have to drive it to her credit union and I sat there and I looked at the invoice and it said invoice number 13. Wow. And I was like, man, this is the, and so what, and the girl was giving me a heart. She's like, oh, have you been here? But I actually, I've been here 13 times. Like <laughs> y'all act like I'm new every time, but I have been here 13 <laughs> times. And I was just like, man, it, it will feel like such a relief to be on the other side of it. But you know, I'm going to get to make a little bit of money and we're going to come out on the positive, pay off some debt and some credit cards. And, and I'll, I'll have to tell the story at some point of how tapped out I am. I am not ready to divulge all the details of how tapped out I am, but let's just like, I'm tapped. You know what? You know, like if this thing was going farther, I don't know what I was going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get real creative. You know, what's cool though, is I think you've, you've made really good connection with the lenders, right? So I mean, like the people that have given you money, they're happy. Yeah. I mean, cause this, this exceeded their expectation. And I mean, fortunately they didn't, hold your feet to the fire six months in either. Right. And be like, Hey, no, they your notes, yeah. your notes do, but I mean, you pay them on time. They've, they've given you, they've trusted you in this project. They've seen you ride along. They're learning too. And I mean, for it to come yeah, full circle great. now and, um, you know, uh, we're not closed yet. So we won't, we won't, you right. Know, I won't jinx it, but I mean, nope, no, not popping champagne just yet. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know, and it's interesting for me. You know, you're getting into the private money. You you could have accessed private money. I I know you could. You have people that would buy into you the the Tavis Westbrook idea, and I've seen some of your record keeping, and it is immaculate. So, like, <laughs> I know you'll be able to find money, but you just have never gone that route. And I started out with that route because I didn't have options. You know, right. I I had a my very first house. I had an opportunity to buy it. I didn't, and I committed to buying it before I had any idea how I was going to do it. 
and it was a probate deal and I backed into it. So I had a runway to help figure it out, but I had to do the creative financing. I borrowed against my 401k at a really low interest rate. I did the deal, paid it back, you know, and then, um, you know, I did a hard money loan, but I, I needed help with the down payment for the hard money loan. So I had some friends who were interested in, in investing and they said, look, we'll put the money up for that. And they trusted me as a person, really not as an investor, but just me as a person. And then I had, you know, someone saw the success of that. They said, wow, can I do that with you? Sure. And so then we did that. And now I've met another person and actually two two more people that are kind of in the wings of like, hey, if you get a deal, let me know. So it's, it's really interesting how that goes and and you learn how to, to structure things that way, you know, and then eventually I would love to get into some lower priced bank loans (laughs) like, like you do, because Hard money is really easy, uh, like to get, like not easy, but I mean, when they transfer it, it's really quick, and it's typically a text, like, "Hey, this, it, can you wire that?" We talked about it, but a bank, it's like way more complicated, but it's cheaper. So uh, we'll get into that, but yeah, super exciting time of year. I, I couldn't be happier uh, to uh, where I am, and we're going to get into a little bit of talk about goals and that sort of thing later in the day, um, later in the episode, but. Before that, why don't we go ahead and check in? Uh, we're in the DFW area, Tavis and I. I. We both live in North DFW. Tavis lives in Plano. I live in Carrollton. So let's do a little bit of a market update. So the market is, um, it's an interesting one. I was reading an article from Redfin that said um, we ticked up in mortgage applications 15% from what was a 28-year low at the beginning of November wow. on mortgage applications. I mean, it bottomed, bottomed. I mean, think about 28 years of, of real estate in the United States. And so we, in a way we're, you know, we're kind of in a generational, a generational dip as far as that's concerned. A lot of people have just never experienced this on the younger side for sure. So that's, that's really interesting to think about. The days on market in DFW on the overall MLS are 29. The uh, inventories, 3.2 months. Um, the overall percentage of asking. So that's another statistic we can look at. So when someone lists a, a home and then it actually sells and we can see the close price, they keep track of the discounts that are taken. And, and right now we're a little bit above 96, which is on a downward trend. And I think that, you know, you can tell us, Tavis, but to me that hints at People are still mispricing a little bit, and it's also the market might be slowing down because of December, and that's just natural. And so they're they're trying to to price things, but the market is is coming back a little bit. And so ninety six percent of asking is still not horrible. You know, I know with Josh and Krista recently, we were, we ended up um, our offer was around ninety seven, and so um, you know that's what we're experiencing too. So, you know, what, what are you seeing as far as the market goes and movement? And I know you talk to a lot of agents. What are they seeing? Yeah, I think statistically this time of year always slows down a little bit. You know, we pretty much lose, you know, if you want to look at it in reality, it's, it's almost four weeks. Um, and it's not consistent. I mean, it splits up. You lose around two weeks, you know, around Thanksgiving, and then you lose, you know, another two weeks at least, you know, Christmas and New Year's kind of thing. Uh, people traveling. Uh, kids are, you know, out of school, either got family in town, you know, you're decorated for the holidays, you know, stuff like that. Right. So that, that statistically mm-hmm. has always changed over the last couple of years. We still saw a lot of movement, uh, through the holiday, uh, time, you know, timeline. And it, I think that was due to lower interest rates and lack of inventory. And so now with interest rates higher and again, just kind of 
working our way i mean we're still on a seller's market but we're working our way to more of the stable market you know when we get about six months of inventory you know for more of a stabilized uh market from that from from inventory levels so i think you know it's it's just important to kind of know that you know we've got that situation obviously the fed regulating the rates like they're doing and going up and down a little bit is giving average rate right now is about seven percent that's it's down for uh, you know in the last six months it's down but it's hovering around seven percent yeah so it's giving us some hope um i i will say my nephew uh, we found a opportunity for him on the investment side to buy a rental and um putting down 25 percent uh, on the 30 year he was quoted at like 6.99 percent so it actually cool. you know was was not bad for a, for an investment property you know so that's it was it's tangible i mean it's something that we, you know we run the numbers and look at i mean that's that's not out of whack right to to look at it and see if we can make the numbers work to actually cash flow with that mind you the property was not anywhere here in metro right it was further i was actually in bonham uh where we were looking mm. for him but anyways you know i think I, I think we're going to start seeing some things shift into january which is always exciting um you know talking to people and it's just kind of seeing things move that way. I think, you know, this time of year, everybody's kind of getting ready for the new year and new goal setting. You know, what's going to happen with putting your property on the market? People wait until after the holidays and, and, and do it in, in January. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier talking, you know, we're still seeing lots of price reductions. I mean, people are still getting values wrong and they're having to chase the market a little bit to see where that number is. And you know, I can't talk about that enough. Um, you know, I think if you if you know what you're doing, you know the the, the proof was exactly with um, you know your your flip here on Mapleton. I mean, you hit the yep. nail on the head. I mean, first showing, first offer, over asking. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't get any better than that. They wanted to do a deal. They were serious. The offer was clean. You had a couple other showings that day, but nobody was like really ready to pull the trigger as much as the first people were. And to that point, I, I was, you know, I know some people will think, well, you left some money on the table. I thought that a little bit, yeah. you know, but the more you look at the big picture, and I think this is for any seller, like what's your goal? You yeah. know, is is your goal to to get literally the top dollar out of this? Okay, then you might want to price a little high and just try to just beat them up and come down as little as you can. But if your goal is to sell this, move on, free up capital, free up mental space, you know, all those things, then I accomplished my goal in spades. Uh, getting every little bitty last dime out of an investment property is not always the most beneficial. You can free that up. You can deploy it somewhere else. You can pay off some, you know, debt and that sort of thing. So for me, it accomplished everything I needed to. If you just look at one metric, maybe you could have gotten a little bit more money, but it, 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 you know, I was able to accomplish what I wanted to in a really quick period of time. One, it, it's it, it's hard statistically. I used to do this um, in the traditional market of having a conversation with a seller, and it, you know, it, it it was basically like, what's it going to cost us in you paying mortgage, utilities, principal, and interest? You know, what what's it costing you for six months to sit on the market? You know, when you you hear you hear sellers say that all the time. Well, I don't care. I don't have to sell. I can wait, you know, reduce the price if I have to. If you sit on the market for three months, what's your cost? You know, what's your burn rate? What's it costing you to sit on the market for three months? That doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, if it's costing you $2,000 a month, that's $6,000, right? 
to sit on the market and and do that to to eventually do a price reduction and doing a price reduction of five six thousand dollars typically it's not going to get you very far in the market you know because that's usually within reason for somebody to negotiate you know with you and so if it's only a five or six thousand dollar price reduction it's usually not going to be that effective in marketing right you usually see in bigger numbers like you know minimum of 10 20 30 you know 50 i mean those kind of numbers and price reductions that we're seeing right now it, what's interesting in in your situation and we had this conversation you had a listing that backed up to a busy road just like you on the same street smaller footprint than yours uh they've been sitting on the market for a couple months now over 60 days mm-hmm. and they were holding out trying to get their price right yeah they never dropped and they never dropped they held out and Doing the math on that, I think you ran your numbers and you were like, dude, that would have cost me eight grand, nine grand. It would have probably at least, yeah, it would have been at least 8,000. Yeah. So it would have cost you $8,000 to sit on the market for two months, which ultimately they ended up pretty much right where your number was. Right. I mean, I mean, with what they're negotiating when you talk to the agent, you know, it it took them that long. They burned $8,000. So essentially they made less net return than you did because it took them that much longer to do it so you know people get in their head though and and it's just people get really bullish sometimes on just that that absolute number without thinking about truly what the net return is and what is the net return to peace of mind yeah because i lose sleep (laughs) and and i eat a lot when i'm stressed so (laughs) i've got to work on that that's a me problem but it's real and whenever i'm stressed i'm sure i'm not just a, a ton of fun to be around you know so like that that's just outside of just objective numbers there is a human element to doing the flips and that stuff. And until you get now, I will say with you, you know, I've become much more comfortable with the stress and more, you know, comfortable with negotiating and all that stuff. I, I have, you know, when I was on that, the Polkman and Richardson, my goodness, you know, I, I was really, really in rough shape, but you know, this one's gotten better, but from a human element, there are times when you're like, look, I just need to be done. And I mean, this goes to the, the idea of a, a distressed seller. So people are like, why would anyone, you know, for the 15th time today, someone's called me wanting to, to buy my house and they're, you know, they offered me 200 grand lower than what Zillow said it's worth. Like, why would anyone ever do that? Well, there's humans and there's emotion and there's stress and there's financial problems. And if someone gets backed into a corner to where they don't have options and their only option is someone calling up and saying, Hey, I'll give you a cash offer today. You can walk away in two weeks and and sort of solve all these problems and start over. That has a huge value to people. It's not just about a dollar amount. And mm-hmm. so I think when you start really seeing that, like you understand why people sell low, why people would sell on the first offer. So anyway, uh, I've learned a ton in that realm. So, well, um, we will keep an eye on the market. Uh, it'll be super interesting to see how the, the beginning of the year goes. They keep talking about dropping some rates. That being said, inflation report came out this week. It's still 3.1. Their target rate's two. And uh, it has come down, but it's sort of sort of le- leveled out. And the job reports keep be, uh, really screaming and they're doing great. So there's, there's, there's a little bit of friction there. Like, hey, we're going to drop rates, but jobs are doing great and inflation's still there. So we'll see how the Fed reacts and uh, it'll be a, a really fun ride um, in January to see where that goes. So why don't we talk about a little bit of news? 
Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the Flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? We landed on the moon! Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Uh, Tavis, one of the one of the first sort of outings, kind of social things that we did, just had a, when, had a good time, with Tavis invited me to a Mavericks game. And I actually did a video about that because I hopped in his truck. We, we meet up at Costco because that's kind of in between our houses. And um, I hopped in his truck and we took off towards the uh, AAC downtown Dallas. And he was on a speaker call with another investor buddy. They were talking about something and I actually overheard them talking about how much trash demo should be and i was about to like pay three times what i should i'm like what the heck so actually that one one trip to a mavericks game you know i think ended up saving me about 20, 10 12 grand but uh, uh, tavis and uh, tabitha have had season tickets there at the uh, mavericks for uh, how many how many season ticket uh, seasons have y'all done 2014 so oh cool we're coming up on 10 years i guess Nice, nice. So they they love the Mavericks. Well, this week, uh, last couple of weeks have been big news in Maverick land. And uh, Mark Cuban, the owner, uh, Shark Tank personality and owner of the Mavericks, has uh, decided to sell a majority stake in his uh, franchise for several billion dollars. I guess the billions have, have sort of been debated to or two billion to four billion somewhere in there. Interestingly, though, he sold it to a family that owns a bunch of casinos in Las Vegas. Uh, the Adelson family. Yeah, the and Sands. The Sands Corp. Sands, yeah. Sands, and I think they uh, might own the Venetian. Sheldon Adelson has passed away, but his wife is in charge of the Empire now. And random story, I have a cousin that is an editor for the Dallas Morning News, but before she came here, she worked for the Vegas paper, and he owned that paper. So he's in all sorts of businesses. Yeah, so news that they're coming, you know, they're buying the franchise, and they own casinos. And so this week... No surprise, a, a sleuthy detective went around and figured out that the Adelson family, uh, a while back before any of this was announced, bought 108 acres of land in Irving, Texas, near the old site of Texas Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys played. So it does seem like at some point there will be a, a resort and most likely uh, by that time a casino in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, casinos are not legal in Dallas, but they are working towards that. And I think probably by the time this all, uh, the AAC rent, the uh, lease there, I think it's in 2031 or something like that. By the time that's up, I think we will have a beautiful resort and casino in Irving. So you told me uh, yesterday you drove you drove by it. So what do you think about all this? Yeah, well, and just to, to fill it in, I, obviously it's not 100% confirmed, but how they did this was they uh, they found the LLC called Village Walk RE2 LLC and then found the the, the county records uh, taxpayer mailing address uh, lines up with the same business address for the Sands. So that's how they connected the dots. You know, it it's actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, when this, the, this came out a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, I know Cuban owns a bunch of land there just across 35, across from AAC, but I just don't see that the land capacity being there. I mean, he would have to buy 
a lot of warehouses over there, you know, stretching from 35 to, to Irving Boulevard for that to make sense, right? For the, Well, in that hotel that we just talked about changed hands right there on that corner. Yeah. He didn't buy that, you know, so that's a good indicator. Yeah. You know, so driving by the spot yesterday, right? It's old Texas Stadium. You know, again, it's just this vacant, you know, big triangle now, right where the stadium used to be. And you, you see kind of a fancy, you know, train bridge that's built there. And, you know, I know there's been all kinds of different speculation on what that's going to be. You know, it's going to be mixed use and kind of a train station kind of hub, you know, and I know there's another like stopping point for the train station just on the other side of uh, uh, Loop 12 and, and 114. They're just a little bit west. But, the, you know, there's some new housing developments and stuff like that right in the corner of uh, 183 and and um and loop 12 right by uh, uh university of dallas so it, it, there's definitely some activity going on around there but if you look out to the site this 180 acres it is just this big wide open space of land just on the other side of 114 just east side but driving by you've got a clear view of the skyline right of dallas i mean you're not far from downtown right there no so it would make sense um, for it to be a, a big casino resort, you know, stadium for the Mavericks and just be, you know, eyesight away from downtown Dallas. You know, it makes a lot of sense from just a, a, a location of where you've got three major highways kind of uh, merging together uh, or actually four different highways kind of merging together in that location. Kind of between Fort Worth and Dallas. You yeah, know, it's in plenty of room for parking. Area. You know, I mean, it would, mm-hmm. Texas Stadium was in a great spot for years, but, it, you know, it's just it was an antiquated stadium, right? So, obviously, these guys at this level, when they're trading billions of dollars in real estate and, you know, professional team franchises are way, way ahead of their time than what we know, right? I mean, they're thinking about this stuff 10 years ago, and now we just now are hearing about it. But this stuff has been in plans for a long time. The stuff doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, just like all of the land up and down the tollway has been predetermined who who entitled that land 10, 15 years ago, right? And even mm-hmm. sometimes 20 years ago, all the way to the, to the Red River. It's just something that we don't, you know, we don't play at that level, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's 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 amazing when this stuff kind of comes out because again you know all the publicity now and we're like oh wow what are they doing and gambling's not legal here but you dig into it a little bit further there seems to be enough information there that um it it sounds like it's the legalizing gambling is going to be on the docket in 2025 um, yeah, I mean, it's been they've been trying to pass it, you know, for well, and for people that don't know, Texas legislature actually only meets every two years. Yeah, the, the, our, our legislature is not a professional one. So they all are lawyers and doctors and they have other jobs. And so they go down to Austin every two years, I think for a couple months. They do their their deal. They typically have local offices in their district that they do their business kind of throughout the other periods of time. Then they have these special sessions, which they're actually just called their fourth special session, where the governor can say, hey, everybody come back into town for this week or this weekend. We're going to handle this one issue. So they can still get business done. But I think they're going to have probably three sessions between now and when the lease is up at the AAC. I mean, of course, they would have to start building well ahead of that. Now, the Adelson family is a huge Republican donor. They've uh, donated a ton to the uh, Abbott campaign. Uh, Dan Patrick, who's our lieutenant governor, has said uh, over my dead body that we're going to have gambling in Texas. So there will be this uh, friction point. Um, But I mean, the reality is, you know, Dallas feeds 
Oklahoma gambling and Shreveport gambling. So it would only make sense that if they could figure it out here. And I, I just, I don't think that a billionaire, a multi, multi-billionaire family that's in that business would, you know, sort of take a, just a flyer that might be able to put up a hotel or it could be maybe a casino. I, I have to think that they've had some handshake deals to say, look, we're willing to put in, you know, $10 billion into the Dallas area, but this is what we're, you know, this is going to happen for us. So, you know, you never know. Now to that end, another piece of news. Um, so DFW area statistically is the fourth largest metro area in the country. Um, that being said is we have the 16th uh, roughly, I don't know if this included Fort Worth. I know Dallas was the 16th ranked public transit uh, system in the country. Even if you consider Fort Worth, they have some trains and stuff. But overall, we're lacking. We don't have a subway system. We have our DART system, and I don't know what they call it in Fort Worth. But Carrollton, the city of Carrollton, where I live, has uh, announced a $1 billion investment into trains and um, the public transit system. There's going to be a huge uh, building and sort of a two train intersection there in Carrollton. There's already a, a stop there. They've already put a ton of money into downtown. I'm excited because they've had several concerts down there. There's some great restaurants already down there and another billion dollars that's going to bring, you know, more apartments, more, you know, developments and shops and, and all sorts of stuff I think is going to be awesome. And so Carrollton, you know, that spot on I-35 is honestly not that far from Irving and all that stuff. And so if you could if you could go over to Carrollton and hop on a little train and go to a Mavericks game, which you can go downtown now, but if you can go over to Irving and maybe get over to the Cowboys game, eventually that would be, I think it would be really, really fun. So I don't know if you've spent much time in downtown Carrollton or if you've ever taken the dart down to a Mavericks game, but I've done it once and it was cool. It was a cool experience. It, it, they definitely have improved in the last 20 years, the, um, the, the train system you know, here in the DFW area. I mean, now going all the way into uh, downtown Denton, um, you have that rail mm-hmm. that goes all the way up there. Um, the, the the rails that go all the way to DFW and then into, uh, you know, Tarrant County, downtown mm-hmm. Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, all the way as far as north as, uh, as Plano. Yeah, I think that's the last stop downtown Plano. Uh, here on this side. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's exciting. You know, I know uh, Plano actually passed a, a approval for an above ground kind of gondola type system, which is that'll be more for not show, but, you know, you're not getting a lot of places. You, you could probably skip some traffic there. They've they've talked about for years a bullet train between Dallas and Houston. Um, that's never really happened. Yeah. You know, now that Elon lives in Texas, it'd be cool if he got his boring company and did a tunnel somewhere. See how that worked. But, you know, Austin has so much bedrock. <laughs> that might be tough. But, yeah, we have a lot of clay up here. You could experiment. So that'd be kind of cool. Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, uh, public transit uh, would be great. It, it definitely helps traffic, you know, decongest the traffic. We've got a lot of traffic and we've got a lot of toll roads. And so, I mean, I paid my toll bill the other day and goodness gracious, we got to stay off the toll roads. <laughs> it's either stay off the toll roads or figure out how to flip another house. Especially if you go out, out, out West, you know, we made that trip to Abilene, uh, not this last weekend, but the weekend before. And I, I'm sure I spent a lot, right? Because the, I mean, 820 is always a nightmare. And so it's, 
it, it, you get on the express and you just cruise like yeah you're going 80 miles an hour and you see a sign that says you know between x and y is like five dollars and 30 cents you're like what the heck just happened i'm like you're racking up 12 dollars in tolls going from you know here yeah. over to fort worth but yeah i mean it's not all like that they, but they get me though i'll, I'll pay for it all yep. day yeah you're just flying <laughs> yep you know it's always one of those things i and i have this my brother-in-law is a gc you know uh, contractor um yeah handyman guy and he like refuses to take the tolls and i'm like bro you charge 50 dollars an hour to do what you do you know and you won't spend five dollars on the toll <laughs> i mean so you're gonna sit in traffic for an hour you know or go backways it's gonna take you an hour longer you know to avoid five dollars but you charge fifty dollars an hour that makes no sense at all you know yeah i see it both ways you know my you know if i was ever president my rule would be if you're on a toll road and there's a, an accident and i'm only creeping along at 10 miles an hour that's yeah free. yeah because i'm here to go fast <laughs> and so if it slows down i proportionally get a discount yeah, you shouldn't have on to pay to sit in traffic you know? like the Dallas no, North Tollway. If I wanted to go this slow, I would go over there for free. Yeah. And so the um, Dallas North yeah, Tollway that, that, going south, you know. <laughs> no, going to a Mavericks game at five o'clock on a Friday. Good luck on that. So, all right, we're going to briefly touch on a little bit of talk on goals. And actually, I was just talking about this with Tavis. We're going to get together for a lunch, and it's cliche at the end of the year, going into January. Let's you know, let's figure out our, our goals. But honestly. For me, it's a lot of it is I, I'm finishing up this flip. I have another listing in the works. I'm at a place where I can really take a deep breath and say, okay, what do I want? I feel like I got some traction. I got some momentum. I've seen what it takes to to get some of this uh, these results. Okay, my average flip has been this over the last four. Okay, so um, Tavis, kind of talk to us about your mindset, the the math, how you go about setting setting goals you know i i know it starts with you, you you basically pick a number like where and mark talked about that how much you want to make okay let's work back from that you know so how do you normally go about that yeah so i think you know you can apply this to both things um you know to traditional real estate as well as investing in real estate pretty much anything that you're anything that you're self-employed with that you're dictating how much money you're going to make in a year, you know, kind of works the same way, right? So you figure out what you want that number to look like and then figure out, you know, what's your average per unit. And if you've never done this before, it might be a little trickier, but, um, you know, you look at your past business and say, okay, this is my average, you know, traditional listing. Uh, say, you know, the average sales price is $300,000. The, the average gross commission on that deal would be $9,000. So if it's $9,000 gross per deal, then how many of those deals do you need to do You know, per month? How many of those deals do you need to do per year to achieve those gross income numbers that you're trying to make, right? Obviously, you need to know, you know what, your, what your cost of business is, and that's going to come off the top. You know, It gets a little bit more complex, but just from the gross side of it, how many $9,000 commission checks do you need to make to, to meet your annual gross income deals? And for somebody like you, Ashton, or somebody that's trying to transition out of like a salary position, you know, that's where you start. You know, you kind of just say, how do I make what I'm making now? And so if you're making $100,000 a year, 
um, you know, that's roughly $8,000 a month. So from that perspective, you know, if you're making a gross $8,000 a month, I guess that's like 96, you know, $96,000 a year, but you're basically having to do one house a month. Yeah. Just so to, you need to do to basically to 12 that. transactions a year to offset that income. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you need to do that, then, um, then you have to go a little deeper and say, okay, in order to get this listing and to sell this listing, how many appointments do I need to go on in order to achieve that? And then how many appointments do you need to set a week in order to get that? You know, so, well, and then I know for you and me, you know, we're, um, and uh, we'll definitely talk more about this at the beginning of the year because I think we're going to sit down and actually go through these and maybe we can just talk about our goals. We can speak it into existence. I'm really getting into this uh, speaking into existence stuff. So, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, for you and me, you have the traditional, but then you have wholesale. So, you you know, you have a traditional number that you make on each wholesale and you have your flips. So um, you, you can do it along the line, you know, whatever business you're in. And if you don't have that track record, like, for instance, if you don't have a track record with traditional listings, you can look at the MLS and say, hey, I want to sell in this area. And the average price for us on our uh, overall in the MLS, we know is $440,000. You can narrow that down even more. And you can say, well, in my area, honestly, it's 500. Well, okay, well, then you can do your math that way. If you if you wanted to learn wholesale, go find three, four, five people who wholesale and say, hey, you know, you don't have to give me all your numbers, but what is your average assignment fee? Right. Okay, 10 grand, 15, 20, whatever. Okay. Then, then you have some numbers to work on, but the the key is backing into the activity that, and in a lot of times you won't even know that until you get into the weeds for long enough. How many how many mailers do I have to send out to get calls? How many calls do I need to get to go on appointments, and how many of those are going right. to close? Okay, now I know how many mailers to send out, which means I know how much I have to spend on that. How many? doors do I need to knock on to get an appointment? How many cold calls do I need to make? Or whatever whatever your lead gen is, so for, that's what you have to back right. into. I, I, I have like three main income streams that I that I look at, that I goal set for. Uh, one of them, which I'm probably most, one of the most passionate things about and really thinking wealth building is how many how many rentals or how many investment properties do I have that's bringing in X amount of cash flow after all expenses? And what does that number look like, you know, for that annual income number? And so that's been part of my goal setting over the last couple of years is trying to build up those buckets to say, okay, I'm getting X amount of money in each year from, from my rentals. So I have that this much income coming in from that. Um, and then uh, I do the, you know, the design work, the consulting and uh, the actual architectural designs as well. And so I kind of look at that and say, okay, how many of those projects do I do a year? And what's my average return on those? And that's another little bucket, right? It, it, is that, you know, you know, is, that, is it 20 grand? Is it 50 grand? You know, what does that number look like that I, that I make for doing design work and consulting work? And obviously, bread and butter for me is is uh, wholesale and flipping. You know, that's probably my largest income stream that comes in. And then I do traditional stuff too, a few things here and there. And so I, essentially, I've got like four different buckets of income mm-hmm. um, that that I look at, right? And I think you can graduate to that and look at it uh, in that as you grow your business and you grow your your real estate portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, 
George talked about this and it was great. And it was great to hear it with Brett's interview as well that, Mm -hmm. you know, you should be as a real estate professional, you should be thinking, how do you become the number one investor in your portfolio? Right. How does that how does that limelight shed on you? How do you look at it as you being uh, the number one investor that needs to buy and build your own portfolio, you know, so that you have those income streams coming in that are going to be infinite or allow you to build on, you know, this conversation Tabitha and I were having recently is about at some point for us to graduate into bigger deals, you know, we're going to have to sell some stuff. You know, and I, and I have this mentality because I think one of my biggest regrets over the years, the last 20 years of real estate has been like not keeping more, you know, and now it's like, what? I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to sell anything, but I think in order yeah, for us to right. graduate into bigger stuff, you know, for us, like we go to these sports complexes all the time for Landon and, um, yeah, we're like, man, we need to own one of these things, you know? Yep. I've thought that about volleyball. Yeah. We've done a lot of volleyball to my man. There's a warehouse. <laughs> this is a warehouse with a nice floor, you know, and a, a couple of spare bathrooms in there. Yeah. yeah. No, and they're I, charging, they're that. charging spectators, you know, $25 yeah, a head. A thousand people here. And I just paid. Yeah. I just, oh yeah. I do that math the whole time there too. Yep. So no, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's fun to goal set. It's fun to dream, you know, putting together a, a dream board and man, it's, and, and this year's just been such a roller coaster. There's been weeks I've been really down, you know, you know, what is it going to, what, what am I going to do? What, and then you, you you have times when you're up, you know, and, and being around good people and being around, uh, you know, investors that are thinking big, it's awesome. You know, and I've, I, I greatly, greatly appreciate all the input you've had in my life, um, uh, for this year. And I, I, I'm so glad that we're touching base with some of these other investors. That being said, uh, let's go ahead and plug Brett Lane. He's going to be with us next Tuesday. Uh, he's with Myers Home Buyers. Great interview. He uh, invests in himself. He's been with Myers, who's a wholesaler, a big wholesaler in Dallas. Tavis has done a ton of business with them. A, a super stand-up company that has great processes. And Brett has a lot of great insight into the world of wholesaling. Uh, but he also flips himself. And uh, it's he's the only professional soccer player I've ever talked to. So um, you want to tune in to the uh, interview with Brett Lane coming up this uh, next Tuesday. That being said, is I'm going to be out next week going to Chicago. You guessed it for another band event. <laughs> and uh, my daughter's band has their middle school band was invited to a an international conference up in Chicago. Super high honor. So that we're going to be having a great time up there and then I'll be back. And then when I come back, we're going to Arkansas or no Austin for Christmas. And then Tavis will be out on a, on an amazing vacation. So by the time we get back together next time, uh, we will have traveled the globe and Tavis will have a nice tan and, uh, <laughs> I will, I will be wind whipped by the, the windy city. So <laughs> Yeah, but stay tuned. We're going to keep bringing you interviews and uh, info. Just It may look a little different over the next couple of weeks, but please uh, keep an eye out. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Please give us a review, a star, a five-star review. And uh, most importantly, share it with a friend, a colleague, someone who you think would benefit from this information. We put a lot of time and effort into the editing and all the content. Like We really want to bring you value. So let us know what you'd like to hear about. If you, if you want any more details about something we've talked about, we'd love to, to, uh, to bring that, whatever, whatever you would find value with, but you've been awesome. It's been so much fun doing this so far. And uh, I can't wait for this next year to see what it has to bring into our lives as far as the podcast go and real estate and all that stuff. So until then, until next Tuesday with Brad Lane, 
It's been great. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys. Thanks.